When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. by Learfield. This is the Bobcat Insider, your exclusive look at Montana State Athletics. Now, here's the voice of the Bobcats, Jay Sanderson. Well, hey there, you have found the world's only podcast exclusively for diehard Montana State fans. Whether you're listening on MSUBobcats.com or if you found us on the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or iHeartRadio, we're glad you're here. You can also subscribe or find us at MSUBobcats.com. Week six of the football season is upon us. The Idaho Vandals come to town for a Saturday afternoon matchup. 2 p.m. the kickoff at Bobcat Stadium. It's a big one. Both sides are one and one in Big Sky Conference play. Montana State still hovering just outside the FCS top 25. This is a really big three-week stretch for Montana State. Homecoming Saturday against Idaho, then back-to-back road games at Weber State, the defending Big Sky Conference champion, and a team ranked in the top 20. And then you go on the road to Idaho State, maybe the most resurgent team in the conference, coming off of a big win at home last week over Idaho. The Vandals have struggled on the road. They have been good at home. They'll be on the road this week. They will not be in the Dome, where they are comfortable in their home environment. It'll be a big one for Montana State as the Bobcats welcome Idaho to Bozeman for the first time since 1994. 
Joining us now is the play-by-play voice of Idaho Vandals football, Dennis Patchen. And Dennis, it's been an interesting uh, start to the season for the Vandals as Idaho has made its return to the Big Sky Conference. What has been your take on the first uh, month or so of the season? It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, Jay, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, At times, this team has looked good um, on both sides of the ball, and other times, it's looked like they haven't even practiced to get ready for a game. So it's, it's been of a bit of a wild, uh, a wild ride, if you will. What do you think has been the cause, the root of that inconsistency? That's a really, I think it's been the, the inconsistent play, not no one really playing for 60 minutes. Even if you look at the two wins, the one over division two, New Western New Mexico, uh, that game was pretty close uh, in the first half of play, and then uh, Idaho just broke it open in the second half and did what everybody thought it would. And then in the uh, the Portland State game, uh, the offense looked really good in the first half and really couldn't mount anything in the second half. The defense gave up some yards in the first half but no points and then really slammed the door shut. So uh, it's been – the problem is, is, is both sides of the football have not been able to do what they need to do on a consistent basis – either A, in the same game, or B, for long periods of time. Obviously, the big story on offense for the Vandals this season has been the two-quarterback system. Mason Petrino, the son of the head coach, Paul Petrino, has played, as has Colton Richardson. If they stood side-by-side, side, it would look like the movie Twins with Danny DeVito and uh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're both they're very differently built kinds of guys. Um, just what have you seen from those two, how the offense operates differently from one guy to the next? Um, Mason is a guy that they try to keep um, on the move a little bit more. Uh, he's under six feet tall, so depending on the teams, he may want to roll him out of the pocket. He plays really well on the run. Uh, he's a very good runner. He's an opportunistic runner. Um, he knows, you know, where he is on the field at all times, um, and he and he has a, a pretty good short to intermediate passing game. Cole Richardson is a complete opposite. He's a big guy, 6'5". He's probably close to 250 pounds. He can stand back in the pocket. He can throw it through a car wash and not get wet. I mean, this kid's got a cannon on him. He's, he's, not, he's not mobile uh, by any means. Um, he's, got, he's got some, I don't want to say escapability in the pocket, but he can, he, can, he can move and get away from people. And the other thing he can do, he's big and strong, and you really have to hit him, take him off his feet or take him down. So... Uh, both guys offer some different things, and the offense is kind of uh, catered to either one of those two when they were in. Uh, Colton missed a game earlier, and Mason played very well uh, in that win over Portland State. And then Colton came back last week and looked really good uh, in the second half throwing the football, and he got a majority of the snaps uh, in the second half. So uh, Paul Petrino has said basically it kind of depends on who we're going to play and how things are going as to who will get to play. Early on in the season, there was at times where he was rotating him on every play. Uh, since that early uh, first couple of games, he's pretty much settled in, and a guy will get an entire series or two series before he makes a change. But he will continue to play two quarterbacks, and, and he knows, just like Montana State, if you have two different types of quarterbacks, it makes it very difficult to prepare for both guys because you only have so much time. 
When Idaho likes to run the ball, they give it to Isaiah Saunders, a nice mix of power and speed, has uh, about triple the yards of the next most guy, next most used running back, Tyrese Walker. Isaiah Saunders, it seems like he's been there so long he's on payroll. I mean, he played against the Bobcats two years ago in Jeff Cho's first game as the head coach of Montana State, and he gave the Cats trouble then. What would you say is the strength of his game here during his senior season? Just big, strong, and can run between the tackles. And a little, as you said, a little bit deceptive speed. You don't think a big guy like that can really uh, run as fast as he can. He's, he might be one of the two or three biggest reasons that the Vandals made that run a couple of years ago to get to the bowl game uh, when they were still playing in FBS football. He had a dominant second half of the season and was really one of the key reasons that they were able to, to win nine games uh, a couple of seasons ago, he is—he's a solid player. He doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, he doesn't put the football on the ground. The the other guy is is Tyrese Walker, and he's a—it's like the quarterback. Tyrese Walker is like five foot six, maybe five foot seven. He weighs about 165 pounds. But I don't know if there's a a, a picture of him in the Vandal Media Guide or anywhere online that he's not out of focus because he never stands still. He's always moving. <laughs> he's. He's a guy that I think that you're going to see as the season goes on, you're going to see more out of him. He's a true freshman, uh, and he is explosive. He's dynamic. Now, how will that play in Bozeman uh, with, the, with, the, with, the, uh, with the weather? That will be an interesting thing, but he's, he is quick, and I think people are going to see that when they watch him play. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be cold and snowy on Saturday for this game. And that might affect things with Idaho playing all its home games in a dome. They played in a dome last week as well at Idaho State. Let's talk about the passing game just a little bit. Interesting mix of receivers. You have David Ungerer, a slot receiver, Cottrell Haywood. Jeff Cotton has been good. DJ Lee has been good. Tell me a little bit about David Ungerer. He's a slot receiver. They look to the middle of the field quite a bit with him. How has he grown his game this season? He's been really good for this team, and and part of the other thing that people may not know is he and Mason Petrino were teammates in high school, uh, and they worked very well together at Pullman High School, which is just down the road from Moscow, and, and that connection picked up immediately when Mason started to play quarterback a couple of, well, mostly last year. So those are those are guys, he's, gonna, he's a, almost a security blanket when Mason's in there on third down, so when people are watching the game, they just pay attention to where David is on third down, and you'll see Mason look for him. He's a guy who's who's dynamic in the punt return game. He's already got one punt return for a touchdown. Uh, he's a he's a he had a bit of a the drops last week at, at at Idaho State, but certainly probably his worst game. And he has been very good. A couple games over 100 yards receiving, and he's been the key. But I think I think you mentioned some of those other guys, uh, Jay. It's probably been the most surprising unit in a positive way on this team. Um, Cottrell Haywood is doesn't look like a freshman. I mean, he's he can play, he can do things. Jeff Cotton is a big play guy; he can go up and get it. Uh, so, with those three guys on the field, very dynamic. And then they have a true freshman tight end in Connor Whitney, who seems to be working more and more in the tight in in the game into the games. He got his first touchdown catch last week. So they've got some guys who can catch the football. The question is, can the two quarterbacks get it to him? 
And the other question is, can the offensive line give enough time to get it? I think that's a huge matchup. You just mentioned it right there. The Idaho offensive line against Montana State's grizzled veteran defensive line. The Bobcats have three fifth-year seniors and an FBS transfer, and they have dominated offensive lines all season long. So that'll be an interesting matchup. I'm also curious to watch the Idaho defense because Montana State's coaches have absolutely raved about Caden Ellis. He is one of the best singular football talents in this conference and he can do a lot of different things in his career he's played six different positions and some special teams he'll play linebacker and he'll play tight end in the game on Saturday for Bobcat fans who maybe have never seen him play or don't necessarily remember him from the game two years ago tell Bobcat fans what Caden Ellis is all about he's a great athlete he played quarterback in high school he's the son of Luther Ellis the longtime NFL guy played the Detroit Lions was a D lineman and is a very big man is on the coaching staff, but Caden, Caden is a guy that his motor never stops. Uh, he's six, three, he's 240 pounds and he moves well. Uh, they're right now playing him at the buck position, which is the same position, um, on Montana state that they have on their defense. And basically they're using a passer. We may see him get moved around a little bit more this week because teams have been kind of been able to limit what he's able to do because he's on one side of the defense all the time. So you may see him play a little bit more. Last year he played the 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 weak linebacker, the will linebacker. He's a tight end. He lines up in the slot at times. He can catch the ball. Uh, He's the first guy that I can ever remember a year ago getting a touchdown catch on offense and then a very next defensive play coming up with a sack. Um, He's a little bit like Troy Anderson uh, in the fact that you have to have him on the field um, and the more you have him on the field, the more you want him on the field. So we'll see how much he plays offensively. He didn't play a lot last week offensively, and the emergence of, of Connor Whitney has kind of kept him on the defense. Because to be honest with you, Jay, they need every every piece they can get on the defensive side of the ball. They can't really afford to take Caden off the field for 10 or 15 plays on defense because of what he's doing offensively. Another really good linebacker is Ed Hall. And, and I mean, the linebacking group for, for Idaho is loaded. And Ed Hall would be the best linebacker on almost every other team in the Big Sky Conference, but he's playing side-by-side side with Caden Ellis. So how much does Hall complement Ellis? How much is there kind of the peanut butter and jelly thing to, to how those two play? Well, and the crazy thing is, is Tony Lashley, who, who was <laughs> as yep. good a linebacker as anybody, transferred to Boise State. He should have been back on this team, so they could have had three guys. Ed Hall might be the smartest guy you've ever met. Uh, He's a uh, mechanical engineering major. He actually came to Idaho as a walk-on because he had an academic scholarship. He's got like a 3.9 in mechanical engineering. He has multiple patents. Uh, He's coming up with a shower system. They're in the the process stage. They, They have a patent now. They're marketing it. And, and I'm guessing probably because of his limitations of being a college football player, he has to wait before he can do anything. It, it's, it's reusing water, and it's recyclable. And I'm going to tell you right now, if it takes off, he, he's going to be a multimillionaire. Um, he's just he's unbelievable, and he will knock you on your wallet. He loves to hit people. He grows sideline to sideline. He's an exciting football player. And uh, I'm sure he's figured out every angle because of his, uh, his intellect. He is just, he's a great kid too. He's from Alaska, was not recruited by anybody. Uh, one of his teammates came down with a partial scholarship or a walk-on. So he had decided, well, I got an academic deal. I'll go down and try and make the team. And he's been sensational ever since he got here.
What do you see when Idaho lines up with its defensive front? Because Montana State is a team that wants to run the ball. They get off the ball quickly. They create separation and push for their running backs. How big a matchup is this in this game, the Idaho defensive line against the Bobcat offensive front? Uh, th- uh, to me, to me, with and you include the linebackers, because a lot of the way that uh, Idaho will play is to just tie people up and let the linebackers make play. And one of the other linebackers we didn't even mention is Christian Ellis, who's playing in the middle right now, who's, uh, Caden's younger brother, and he's very talented as well. But uh, this is the key to they need if if Montana State does pass, they need to get a pass rush. But I think the concern right now with Idaho is making sure they know where Troy Anderson is when he's in there at quarterback, and making sure they stop the run. Because if you don't stop the run against Montana State, you're not going to beat them because that's what they want to do. So uh, there's a lot of new faces. They this is probably the area that got hit hardest by graduation a year ago. Uh, they're still trying to figure it out. They brought a couple of JC guys in. They're in a rotation. There's about a seven-man rotation between those the three defensive line spots. And I think Paul Petrino is just find, trying to find the right combination. And at times we've seen them be able to do things. And at other times we, we've seen them not be able to do literally anything, stop the run, stop the pass, do anything at any point in time. I mean, Idaho State last week averaged over 10 yards every time they snapped the ball. so And part of that problem was is the defense just, A, couldn't stop the run, and B, didn't get a pass rush last week. Well, that was my next question. I want to talk a little bit about the secondary because it seemed like last week Idaho was intent on stopping that two-headed running monster that Idaho State has. And so Idaho State just threw the ball at will all day. So after the secondary took some lumps last week, how have you seen them bounce back in practice this week? And just kind of give us a primer on the secondary and what Bobcat fans can expect. Well, the problem is, is this probably at the beginning of the season was the area that had A, the most experienced returning, and B, the probably was the best unit um man-to-man simply because everybody was back from a year ago. Denzel Brantley's a safety. He's a hitter. Dorian Clark is a corner. He's a senior. He's a fifth-year senior. He's a leader on this team. Lloyd Hightower is a very athletic corner on the other side. They've got young players on this team. Jalen Hoover last year when, uh, when, when Brantley was hurt stepped right into the offense. This is a unit that has been a head shaker simply because they have not been able to stop the pass. Fresno State shredded them. Uh, earlier this season by throwing the football around. Certainly Idaho State, and when's the last time a quarterback threw eight touchdown passes that wasn't playing in the arena league? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was just, it was was a nightmare, uh, and nothing went right. And I don't know if necessarily it was all just sellout or the fact that they just didn't execute the game plan against Idaho State, and Idaho State picked them apart. And then I want to talk little special teams because here over the last decade or so, and maybe even longer than that, Idaho has been special teams at you, regularly producing elite special teams guys. And Cade Coffey is the next on that list. He has been just an absolute weapon for Idaho, probably the best punter in the FCS, and he also does the place kicking. How has he performed this year so far? He's been pretty good. Uh, they had a couple of blocked field goals in the uh... – Fresno State game, the first game of the season, uh, no fault of his. Uh, they have had really not uh, – they've been in situations where they haven't attempted a lot of field goals, but he's a kid who hit a 60-yarder in uh, in high school. He's got a, a serious leg. He's probably a better punter right now than he is a kicker. Certainly a weapon, was a freshman All-American last year. Um, so he is, he's, got a, he's got a great leg. Uh, he's got a great touch, too. It's one of those things that if you can just boom the ball, but he can, uh, he can hit it. 
Uh, half of his, his punts um, before last week's game went inside the 20. Uh, gets a lot of fair catches. You don't get a lot of returns because of the height uh, and the way he can punt the ball. He is, he is, he's a good one right now, and, and he's just a sophomore. The Vandals will have him for two more years after this one. That's Dennis Patchen, the play-by-play voice of the Idaho Vandals, joining us. Dennis, safe travels over here to Bozeman on Friday, and we'll talk to you on Saturday. All right, Jay. Thanks. See ya. As we do each and every Friday here on the Bobcat Insider Podcast, we take a look back at Jeff Cho's Monday news conference in its entirety to get the head coach's perspective in full on this week's game. So here now is Coach's News Conference from Monday. So coming off the bye, obviously uh, don't have a whole lot in-house stuff, just uh, moving forward to the University of Idaho. It was clearly an interesting weekend in the Big Sky Conference, and I think uh, that was one of the things that we talked with our guys about yesterday before practice was, you know, hey, if you guys, you know, lessons learned from the bye week. If you are prepared and you bring your edge competitively, you can beat anybody. And if you are not prepared and you do not have your competitive edge, you can get beat by anybody. And uh, whether that's what happened in Missoula or what happened down in Flagstaff, I think those were both equally um, surprising in my mind. Um, but, uh, you know, now we've got our, our focus squarely on the University of Idaho, and I think that's an important message to take away. Uh, they. They did not have their competitive edge in Pocatello. Uh, they gave up a, a ton of yards and a lot of explosive plays to a very good outfit. Uh, I think that uh, ISU is playing with a lot of confidence. They've got a lot of weapons on offense. And I think that, uh, you know, there was a little mix and match when they tried to play man-to-man, gave up some big plays. They got into some zone. Then they were running the ball on them, and so it was kind of a catch-22. But I know, you know, Coach Petrino and his staff are a uh, veteran group of guys, coached a lot of football, and we'll have their guys ready. And one of the things I did tell them is, hey, fellas, let's go down the list here. This this game is an important game to the University of Idaho, and in particular to Paul Petrino, who's a Helena, Montana native, and is a Carroll College grad. Chris Sinkovich, Carroll College grad. Troy Purcell, Carroll College grad. Helena native, also a young, a former Bozeman high coach. He's got guys on this team that he played, that he coached and, and won a couple state championships with. Bresky and Smith, two University of Montana guys. And Brad Daly, of course, uh, All-American and Hall of Famer here, or will be at some point in time, uh, Bobby Daly, rather, at uh, as their linebackers coach. And so there's a huge group of guys there that get, even though there isn't a lot of recent history with this rivalry, that there is a rivalry there. And this is a big game for, I think, for them from the standpoint, it's a little bit of a homecoming deal. And uh, it's a big game for us because it's the next opportunity we have to compete. We are both one and one in Big Sky Conference play. So it's a level playing field in that regard. And uh, I think that it's going to be an interesting game. It's a it's a matchup that I think has a lot of uh, kind of has a lot of intrigue. You know, you kind of have the the offensive side of the ball for for Idaho, where um, I think Mason Petrino has done a really nice job of operating their offense. But then you have the Richardson kid who has a different skill set and and really has a strong arm and can maybe do some things that that Mason can't in the passing game. And so they've kind of. You know, they've got a little bit of a yin and yang there. Um, I think the guy that makes their offense go when they get him going is the Saunders guy. I mean, I think the, the tailback, number 21, he is a big physical downhill back, 230-pound kid, good inside zone runner. Um, they've got a couple guys on the O-line, number 74 in particular. I think he might be one of the better offensive linemen in our league. And so I think if you go position by position, you could say, okay, that the tailback could probably be categorized as one of the better guys in our league, though. Right or the right guard, well, actually strong side, quick side team. So depending on where he lines, but 74, probably one of the better offensive linemen in our league. Um, you know, as far as productivity goes, the Unger kid is as productive a receiver as there is in this league. Uh, they've got 88 that can stretch the field. I think it's just an interesting deal. It's not. It's not an outfit that's void of talent. 
I think they just haven't found their rhythm consistently, and I think that's you know something they're searching for on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, again, you kind of go by position by position. I think the Hall kid from Chugiak, Alaska, is as productive as an inside linebacker as there is in this league. Okay, Caden Ellis is as good a player, period, as there is in this league. Turn the tape on if you don't believe me. Okay, and then you've got his brother Christian, who when they move him around can make some really good things happen. They've got 93 and 18 or other guys that they play inside. Their defensive line is not really big, but it's very active and athletic. Um, and so I think personnel-wise, you look at it and you go, okay, they have some elite players. Um, it just, for whatever reason, it hasn't quite come together for them. And, and, then, and then you look at the special team side, I think they've got one of the better punters, maybe in the country, in the coffee kid. And so it's not like they're void of talent. They have good players. And they, when they played together, they played really well at times. I think the Fresno game, that was a, kind of an anomaly in my mind. That just, I mean, it was a Murphy's Law game. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for him, got away from him early. Um, you know, similar type of out, outfit, uh, uh, type of game at Davis. They had some things that just didn't go right for him early in the game and kind of got away from him. And then, you know, Idaho State was a different deal too. And so um, I think I think it's a, it's a dangerous outfit. I think it's kind of a team that's going to come in here with a lot of motivation and uh, has talent and is dangerous. Um, very, very talented group, I think, overall. And they just need to put the pieces together. So that's kind of my assessment of the Idaho uh, uh, crew. And be happy to take any questions. This was your first game uh, as the coach here. It was against them a couple years ago. And you guys certainly went toe-to-toe with them, you know, when they were at FBS at the time, I guess. Uh, do they look any different? Or, or how, how can you compare them now to you know, some of the guys are the same guys. Yeah. And so, that you know, Ellis and, and Saunders and those type of – obviously they had a different quarterback, and he was a very productive quarterback for them. I mean, I think they were a nine-win bowl win team that year. They beat Colorado State in a bowl game that year. And that was kind of a high watermark, at least up to this point, for Coach Petrino and that, that crew. I mean, I think that was an outstanding coaching job to do what he did there with uh, – on some of the struggles that they've had and, you know, being in the Sun Belt, not really having regional rivalries and those types of things. And so, um, you know, I think there's – Maybe they, they had a safety that was a real problem that year. Uh, so that was one guy that definitely was different. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think that stylistically on offense, they're similar. Defensively, they're not pressuring quite as much. I don't know that they have to because they do have a four down front that can get after the quarterback pretty well. And, um, you know, it's kind of been when they played zone, they've made teams earn it a little bit more maybe. But I don't know that there's a lot of similarities. I mean, two years is a long time in this business. And, and they've gone through some interesting things there at the University of Idaho. I mean, there's really no blueprint for what they've done. Nobody's ever done what they're doing right now, which is coming back down a level. A lot of teams have, have bumped up where you're kind of in that transitional mode where you're getting from 63 to 85 scholarships. Well, it's really hard. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what those conversations were like. You know, like, I mean, are you going, okay, hey, we're two years, we're going to be going down and, you know, Next year, we're going to put you on this much scholarship. The next year, we're going to put you on this much. I mean, I don't – can you imagine, you know, recruiting a kid and saying it's 85 and it's all fulls, and now we're adjusting down. And so I think that's one of the things that you're seeing is that it's it's been a difficult transition to try to get down to 63 so that they could come right in the big sky and be com- in a position where they could compete for postseason. And I think over time, it'll level out, and, and Coach Petrino and his staff will do a really good job there. I mean, I think there's a lot of history and tradition of Idaho being an excellent Big Sky team. And I'm excited that they're back in the league. I mean, I just think it's a – I mean, you know, I would love to play Idaho every year. I would love to play Eastern every year. Clearly, we're going to play Montana every year. And I think, I think that if you were to ask Idaho State and Montana and Montana State and Idaho, they would love to do the same thing. And so hopefully we can get to a point in time where we're doing that. How much different does, does this program and your team now feel in 2016? Like how, the progress that you've made 
you know, I mean, it's it's interesting because I think we're I think we're a more well-rounded team. Um, but we had some really good players on that team. You know, I mean, JP was a really good offensive lineman, allowed us to do some different things. You look at Gunner and Chad, and those guys brought a lot of leadership. And so um, we're much, in, in some ways, we're a younger team still, you know, that, which is kind of interesting to say that two years later, you're still a pretty young team. We played 13 true freshmen that year, and those guys are now juniors. And so we're starting to see, you know, our, our classes grow. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's every year's a different experiment. And then you throw in things like, you know, how does, you know, situations like what happened with Chris, that, that, that changes the dynamic, not just in terms of what you're thinking structurally, but in the locker room too. And there's always going to be interesting things. I mean, I tell our guys that all the time, like this, you know, we get to the end of the year and you say, okay, this is team one, this is the last time that you're ever going to be, this is team 121's last go around. Like, think about that. This is going to be totally different a year from now. And it is, I mean, it's like a huge social experiment. You just kind of throw kids from all over the country in and you shake it up and see where, where it lands. And so I think football, probably more than a lot of a lot of sports is just very very interesting that way in terms of the way the chemistry comes together i think basketball college basketball today is like that too i mean you could probably go out and have one guy the same on the roster from one year to the other and so what goes on in the locker room and how kids buy into the culture and the chemistry of the group is is almost as important as the talent that you have what is your relationship like with troy versailles do you know I know I'm in passing. You know, when I when I first got here, of course, my son was getting ready to go to school there, so I had some conversations. I didn't know. I think he knew that he was planning on making this move, but I didn't know that at the time. I think we were recruiting Blue Chapman. Uh, like I said, my son was getting ready to go to Bozeman High, and I wanted to make sure that he was doing the off-season program or whatever Coach Purcell wanted him to do there. And so, um, you know, got to know him a little bit there. You know, clearly respect the job that he did at Bozeman High over the time that he was here. And so... I think he's, you know, the guys that played for him that are in our program really think highly of him, and I think that's all you need to know about about a coach is how his players feel about him. What does that transition from high school to college from a coaching perspective? You know, I did it um, a long time ago, um, and I didn't go into being a position coach. I was a 31-year-old GA at Utah State University, and uh, I think at first you think you're going to get, you know, like you're going to crack the code here. You're going to get all the answers because you're going to Division One football. And after a while, you realize that, hey, it's about relationships and, and your ability to teach and convey the message. And most of the time, I think high school coaches are actually ahead of a lot of college coaches in those regards because that's all they've done. They've had to develop relationships with kids. They've had to teach them, regardless of their ability level, to whether you're teaching them math or science or PE or football, you've got to be a teacher. And I'm sure Troy does a really good job at that. There's four players uh, from Idaho on this team. You and Byron's connections to Idaho, how important is that as a recruiting territory? Well, I think Boise in particular has been something that's been good to us. Uh, we, you know, we dabble a little bit up in North Idaho and uh, try to get a guy or two here out of, out of that area if we can. Um, you know, we kind of have Spokane and North Idaho. That's kind of one area for us. And then Boise. Um, you know, I think regionally it makes a lot of sense. The problem is, and this is as honest as I can be, it's a seven-hour drive. There's no easy way to get to Boise. If we had a flight... I think it'd make all the difference, but you got to go through Salt Lake or Denver if you want to go to Boise. So that's one thing that probably hurts us a little bit. You know, I mean, it's actually shorter to drive to Moscow, Idaho from Boise than it is to Bozeman. And so that's, that's something, you know, you do the old string test sometimes, and that's something that comes into play. But I do think that we have an attractive product here. Um, you know, I think the, the football environment coupled with the academic environment and the community of Bozeman, the things that we sell in recruiting by and large, I think resonates really well in the Boise area because that's kind of a... It's kind of a really big Bozeman, you know? I mean, everybody's into the mountain biking and the outdoors and going up to Bogus and going skiing. So there's a lot of similarities in terms of the lifestyle. And I think that, you know, certainly our ties to 
to Southeast Idaho or Southwestern Idaho with, you know, with Matt playing there and Byron playing there and myself coaching there. That helps. We have good relationships there. My brother's a high school teacher and coach. And, um, you know, we, I, we know a lot of people there. And, and I think that helps because, again, it's about relationships. And so I think it's an important area. Um, I, I would love to be able to take, you know, two to three guys out of the state of Idaho every year. But, you know, it's, it's becoming more and more competitive because I think Tennessee's done a really nice job at Idaho State. Coach Petrino's going to have to recruit in-state more. And I think he already you can see that already happening. And then you're going to have Boise. You're going to fight with them a little bit. And so, uh, and then even like, you know, I see, you know, what is it? Wendell or somebody's got an offensive lineman that's already committed to the University of Washington. So, you know, those ties there, that if there's a really superior player there in the state, they're going to find him and they're going to try to snatch him up. And then now you start to kind of weed it down. I mean, it's like not a lot of people come into Montana to recruit Montana kids because Montana and Montana State are going to fight it out for, for those FCS type of kids. And, uh, you know, it's probably not a, a it's probably not a wise use of your resources to come over here because there's such strong ties to those two schools. And I I think you might start to see that happen in Idaho. North Idaho should belong to the University of Idaho. They should be able to get the guys they want out of Coeur d'Alene and Lewiston and Moscow and Sandpoint. And, uh, and then Idaho State should do the same thing in Pocatello and Idaho Falls. And then you should see them battling it out in the Boise area for the guys that aren't Mountain West type players. And so I think it's going to get more difficult for us to, to compete because now we've got two teams that are fighting for the same type of athlete that we're looking for. Did you end up making it down to the Hawks game Friday? I did. And so what did you see out of some of those commits and recruits that are on Bozeman? Well, I can't comment on any of the commits uh, or recruits. Um, I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought Bozeman had, I think Bozeman has a really nice team. I mean, that was what I'd say. You know, I think it was, uh, uh, you know, hard-fought game through the first half, and then, you know, that play at the end of the first half really really turned the tide. And I think Bozeman is the class of the AA right now, and it'll be interesting to see how things go down the stretch. I mean, if they stay healthy, not to jinx Coach Weshey, but... They look pretty pretty strong on Friday. You uh, mentioned Caden Ellis. What makes him so special? His motor. He plays hard. <laughs> you can tell. I mean, his dad's on the sideline probably making sure of that. But uh, um, he's a very fluid kid. You can tell he's been coached at a very high level. He uses his hands a lot better than a lot of a lot of FCS edge rush guys do. Um, really fluid hips, can run, has long levers. Um, you know, he's tenacious in terms of his level of pursuit. And so he's just, you know, he's an elite player at our level for sure. Um, I guess in your time coaching, have you, have you ever kind of seen someone move around and shift the way that Troy Anderson has um, in his short career? Um, yeah, yeah. Coached a lot of high school football. We did that a bunch in high school. Um, no, I, I probably the two guys that are the closest to him, um, Shaq Thompson's one that, at Washington that we played him at linebacker and running back for the second half of our first season at the University of Washington. We had some injuries at running back, and he actually ended up being our leading rusher that year. And uh, so he was able to play both sides, and um, that's pretty unique, obviously, especially at the FBS level. Um, but probably not a quarterback. <laughs> you know, probably not to say the guy's going to be your quarterback and he's going to play a little bit of defense here and there. And so, and, and in the two games where we utilized him on defense, with the exception of the Eastern Washington game, I think he played four snaps on, at Eastern Washington. Um, you know, he wasn't going to be our primary quarterback because he had the hand injury. And so, I don't know, he's a, he's a pretty unique guy. I think he sacrificed a lot for this team, you know, because um, being a quarterback is a lot of responsibility. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of extra time in terms of your preparation, in terms of... Uh, you know how the game goes, how the game falls. A lot of times, that falls on on the quarterback's shoulders in some situations. And so, 
I think the the fact that he's that unselfish that he's like whatever whatever you need me to do to help this team I'm willing to do and whether that's rushing a quarterback or playing tailback or covering a kick or playing quarterback he doesn't care and so I think that's probably all you need to know about Troy is that's I mean, that how much he's sacrificed for this team this year. Coming off the bye, do you feel a little bit more prepared or, or ready compared to maybe another week? Yeah, you know, I don't think you focus a whole lot on the opponent during the bye week. You know, you spend a little bit of time. I think we did a 10-minute scout period on Wednesday on Idaho. Um, you know, really, hopefully you feel like you're a little bit refreshed. You know, guys' are leg, guys' legs are getting a little heavy towards the middle of the season. You give them a couple days off. They kind of get their legs back a little bit. Mentally, just getting away from it sometimes can be a real positive for these kids too. And uh, come back with a little bit more enthusiasm. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, we spent most of our time just focusing on, you know, body position and eyes and hand placement and blow delivery, block escape, tackling, and the things that you got to do well down the stretch if you want to have success. How would you, you assess how Troy's maybe progressed as a passer, um, you know, since the summer to, to this point? I think he's come a long way. I mean, I think he's, you know, he looks more and more like a quarterback every day, it seems like. And, um, I think a lot of it is just knowing where to go with the ball. I mean, you know, you can go out and play catch in the backyard and you can spin it pretty good and it looks fine. But, uh, you know, once you start to see bodies rushing at you and, and different coverage looks, uh, having the ability to make those quick decisions and, and identify where to go with the football is, is probably more important than anything. And that, that can coupled with accuracy, you know, being able to put the ball in a spot where your guy can get it and their guy can't. And so um, those are areas that I've seen a ton of growth in. And I think he's, you know, he's, I think he's certainly capable of being a really good quarterback and, and continues to impress in terms of how he, he – makes those steps each and every day. Their uh, turnover margin, I think, minus 11. They finally got their first takeaway last yeah. week. Has that been sort of just an enigma? Are they a little bit staying bid in that category? How could you? Yeah, I mean, they get after the quarterback pretty well. Um, and, the, and then minus 11, I think they had five against Fresno. I mean, they had a lot. They had a lot early in the season. Um, and so, you know, obviously that's the combination of their t- taking the ball away and, and as well as protecting it on offense. And um, you know, I think one of the things that showed up in the Idaho State game was, you know, the coverage really wasn't that bad at times. It's about making plays on the ball. And so, you know, being in position to make a play and making a play sometimes are two different things. And so you credit, obviously, the Idaho State receivers for going up and making plays on the ball. And I'm sure that's something that's a point of emphasis for, for the University of Idaho right now is, you know, hey, when the ball's in the air, let's attack the ball. And so that's something that has, uh, has eluded them up to this point. Brian Armstrong, one more thing. Brian Armstrong, Hall of Fame at uh, Western. Thoughts on that? Yeah, so it's awesome. I think he had a great weekend, you know, for he and his family. I mean, you know, he's got a son now and a daughter that are old enough to maybe remember that and probably don't think dad was all that cool. And then you go and get a chance to see something like that, and you're like, hey, my dad did something pretty unique and special. And even he said, you know, he's thinking, well, I'm going to go down there and do this. And but he said, you know, the people at Western did a great job of, of making him feel special and making an event that, you know, he'll remember and that's significant for him. And so I'm uh, really happy for him and proud of the things that he accomplished there. And uh, hopefully he'll have a Hall of Fame week this week in terms of calling the game. Again, it's Montana State and Idaho Saturday afternoon at Bobcat Stadium. You can hear the coverage all across the 14 stations on the Bobcat Sports Network from Learfield. You can also pick us up on the TuneIn app on your smartphone or msubobcats.com. It should be a fun one. Montana State looks to get to 4-2 and two overall, 2-1 two and one in Big Sky play with a couple of big road games coming up in the next couple of weeks. Be sure to check out our web-only content at msubobcats.com. 
Don't forget about Cat Chat Wednesday nights at 6.30 on the radio, the Bobcat Insider Television Show Thursday nights at 9.30 on your local Fox station. Until then, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And of course, it's all there for you on msubobcats.com. Be sure to stay engaged and interactive with us. Send me an email, jsanderson at msubobcats.com or follow me on Twitter at msubobcatsvoice. I'm Jay Sanderson. Thanks so much for being with us and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Bobcat Insider. Be sure to stay up to date with all things Montana State Athletics by visiting msubobcats.com and by following the Cats on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using the handle msubobcats. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.